Amazing Candle God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to jump into our Bible study time. Before we do, let's have a look at the next question for our quiz, followed by text messages. Mm, that's hear what, right. Hear what you had to say about the first half of the show. Our next question for the quiz. Who wrote to his readers that they should honour the king? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our Revive Cafe cookbooks 5 and 6. You'll be able to make amazing, awesome recipes from scratch in a very short amount of time. I think like one of the big focuses of the Revive Cafe cookbooks is not just being able to make healthy, amazing, tasty vegan food, but also simple vegan food. Not that it's simple as in it's it's bad, but these recipes are something that can actually be put together by someone in a reasonable amount of time. I hate reading a recipe and it's like, hey, do this for this long and do this for this long and soak these for this long and do this. And then there's like eight hours of prep before you can even cook and eat the meal. Whereas this is all about, hey, what can you really put together that is tasty and amazing in all different circumstances for all different kinds of people. But again, that number is 0491-064-669. And the question was, who wrote to his readers that they should honor the king? 0491-064-669. All right, let's go to text messages, find out what you had to say. COP27, being sponsored by Coca-Cola. Lawson covered that story there. They're supposed to go up Mount Sinai and pray to God. Will they come down like Moses with the new Ten Commandments from Coca-Cola? That's so funny. <laughs> More psychological warfare, two extremes. They obviously think that we are all stupid. You know, it's just it's just so bizarre. I mean, this is one of the greatest polluters on the planet. They literally does anyone does anyone create more single-use plastics than Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola? I mean, probably they do. There is someone who does. I don't know, but Coca-Cola's got to be at the top of the list. Mm. And it's one of the most polluting substances we have in our world right now that is literally destroying our oceans, destroying our wildlife. We've got we've got seabirds all across the world that are dying because their guts are just full of plastic. Mm. You know, they pick it up, they eat it, doesn't digest, gets stuck there, that's it, they're done. Mm. Okay, the Essendon Club, will you obey God or man? Well done, Andrew. Soon all Christians will suffer for it. I'd rather obey God. Who would believe 10 years ago this would happen? The Word of God told us this would happen. We should not be surprised. It's a very interesting point right there because 10 years ago, there's no way in a million years would this have even made it into the news. Mm. It wouldn't have even been something worth commenting on. It wouldn't have even been a story yeah, like because it wouldn't have happened. And now it's a massive media built-up story that gets the guy fired, cancelled. Mm. Yeah, wow, amazing stuff. Uh, the Andrew Thorburn issue was a media witch hunt due the world's hatred towards Christianity fueled by Satan's hatred of God. Mm. It's coming through from Braden in Queensland. Mm. Yes, indeed. Okay, so you guys have been a bit quiet the last couple of days. What is it with with daylight savings? Mm. Everybody still feeling snoozy? We would love to hear from you guys. Our number to call is 0491 Don't forget, of course, you can send your questions through for question of the day. We've got a few in the backlog sitting there at the moment, but we can always add more. Mm. And remember, there is not a single solitary Bible question that we have not yet, that has been asked, that we have not answered here on The Breakfast Show. So if you've got a Bible question, then send it through. We would love to hear from you.
All right, let's go over to our Bible study today. We are in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verse 7 through 19. But let's just start in verse 7 and we'll work our way through these verses eh, one at a time. Let's find out what the Bible has to say for us today. Genesis Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7 where the Bible says, And at that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Okay, so here's an interesting situation. What were Adam and Eve wearing in their perfection? Nothing. That's a little bit weird for us. Yeah. And we kind of think, well, you know, maybe glad we weren't there. But we've got to understand that they were in their perfection and in their innocence, and that's just how it was. Mm. But as soon as they sinned, what happened? They felt shame. Yeah. They felt vulnerable. They felt self-conscious. Insecure. And as a result, they sewed some leaves together to cover themselves. It's interesting how that all changed the moment they sinned. You would think that, okay, really what difference is sin going to make? Well, it makes a big difference right here in the way they thought about themselves because they had never experienced shame before. So this is a major psychosocial response. Mm. And if you talk to the experts in the field like David Haupt or Jennifer Skews, uh, David Stojic and so forth, mm. they will all tell you that shame is a major driving force behind the things that we do that are self-destructive. Mm. Shame is what drives us essentially to destroy ourselves. Okay, next verse, verse 8. It, we continue to read and verse 8, it says, When the cool evening breeze breezes were blowing and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Okay, so this is weird. Now they're afraid of God. Mm. That's never happened before. Sure. So they're experiencing a whole bunch of new things they have never experienced before. Mm. The first is a sense of shame. Mm. They've been walking around naked for however long they had been there. And suddenly they're like, we need to cover ourselves. Mm. And the second thing that happens is that they hear God and it's like, we don't want to see God right now. Mm. So they've experienced shame. They've experienced guilt. Now they experience fear. Mm. Fear of God. Mm. Something they had never experienced before. Okay, but there's a few more um, unusual experiences that they're going to have as we work our way down through this particular passage. Uh, what's our next verse there? Please it says, listen. Then the Lord God called man and said, Where are you? Mm-hmm. Continues on. It yep. says, He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's stop there for a moment. Let's think about this. God says, did you eat from that tree? Mm. Did, why, why does God ask this question? Does God not know? <laughs> is God's like suddenly, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're worried about being naked. Oh, I hope they didn't eat from that tree. Is that mm. what's going on here? No, well, I believe like the investigation is for the people themselves being investigated. Yes. This well, this is an investigation taking place. It's like God is is making sure that everyone around him, including Adam and Eve, understand what's going on, and he asks them a question, just like my parents after I 
stole cookies and they could clearly see i'd steal like arrowroot biscuits and they would clearly see that oh lawson's taking the arrowroot biscuits because half the packet's gone and then they'd come to me and i'd say hey lawson did you take this giving me the chance to admit to which i would say no of course i didn't to which they would then pull out the packet of arrowroot biscuits and be like we know it's you and then i'd get punished um, <laughs> did you used to do the thing where you used to open the back of the packet no, nah, I was too dumb for that when I was five. <laughs> I was, I was, I was too dumb when I was five. I was I'd just like, I, I, I hope open, they don't see. I'd open the back of the packet and eat them out of the back of the packet and then put it back in the drawer so it still looked like it was full. Uh huh. Thinking, they'll never know. Okay, actually, actually, <laughs> oh funny. man, I gotta tell so you, dumb. I just gotta tell you the quickest story right now. <laughs> this is this is embarrassing. This is about my older sister and why we gave her the nickname Chocolate Pants. Okay, and that's because one day she stole. I think we had like royal biscuits or whatever. They're like audits. She put them in her pockets and was like sneaking out of the kitchen. <laughs> and dad, dad is like comes home from work, opens the door as she's sneaking out of the kitchen, sees her and says. Hey, there's my beautiful little girl. She's like eight years old or something, yeah. eight, ten, something like that, and picks her up to give her a big hug, and they're hugging, and then dad, you know, big, funny, and turns sh- her upside down, oh. you know, just like for fun, and all hey, of a sudden, do? chocolate biscuits start <laughs> falling out of her pockets, and she got totally caught, eh? Oh, oh it's so funny. And then from sure your sin will find you out. That's right, and from that point forward, we call my sister Chocolate Pants. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the chocolate got too warm inside there and got all smooshed. Nah, dude, it was legit as soon as she put them in her pockets. <laughs> Dad <laughs> walks through the front door, uh, you know. And it's, yeah, unfortunate series events took place. For uh, isn't it interesting how you wish your parents were a million miles away in those kinds of circumstances? You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491 all right, so let's get back into our Bible study right here. The Bible, uh, the, the, the Bible talks about how that, yeah, they were, be sure your sin will find you out. Mm. Adam and Eve were found out. That's right. And God walks up to them again, asking them this question, giving them the ability to own up yes. to what they've done. Yes. Okay, so they've got this uh, option to, uh, to own up right here, and then let's read a little bit more. Continues in verse 12, it says, The man replied, It was the woman who, gave, who you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, and that's why I ate. Okay. Let's, uh, so so does, Adam, does Adam own his sin right here? Uh, no. No, what does he do? He says it's... Who does he blame? His wife. Who does he really blame? God. Okay, so it's God's fault because God made the woman. Yes, that's right. If you hadn't made the woman, it would have all been fine. But you made the woman and you made her too beautiful. Mm. And I'm too much in love with her. And so it's your fault. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting? We've been looking at during this week and last week the character of Satan, right? And how he fell from heaven. And his excuse is like, oh, I'm so beautiful and amazing and I should be above God. You know, God, God, like, again, it's kind of, it's the way that you've made things. I'm too beautiful. I'm too amazing, you know, to be subjugated and, and, and to, to have to follow you. I should be able to do my own thing because I'm too this. I'm too that. It's your fault for creating me 
this way. And I feel like we see the same here with Adam. When in reality, it's their own personal wants and desires and misuse of their creation. And I wonder how much. I wonder how often we blame God for our sins. Mm. Oh, you shouldn't have made me so weak. Mm. You shouldn't have made that sin so tempting. Mm. We shouldn't have made that thing so tempting. Yeah. Shouldn't have made that thing so beautiful because then I wouldn't have been tempted. Mm. Yeah, rough. So true. And so, yes, Adam here, he, uh, he, he turns around and blames his wife. Yeah. And in essence, he's blaming God. What does Eve do? Does she own up to it? Well, she says that the serpent deceived her. So who's she blaming? The serpent. And who made the serpent? God. So who's she blaming? God. So both of them turn around and blame God for what happened. Mm. I mean, this isn't this classic two-year-old behavior right Oh, here? yeah, yeah. Anyone who's been yeah. a two-year-old. My little sister, I mean, my big sister, why did you turn me upside down? <laughs> you <know? laughs> it's your fault for turning me upside, upside down. down. And that's why I got caught stealing cookies from you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and if your dad had been wise, he'd be like, I would have turned you upside down because parents know everything. Yeah, that's right. Parents see everything. Uh, that's such a classic story. But we ultimately see, yeah, it's these people don't want to take accountability and, and responsibility. I don't think they're experienced. I, I don't think they have an excuse not to, but I also don't think they're experienced in taking accountability and responsibility. It's just been revealed to them what it is that they've done wrong and they've never had that feeling before. Or up until this point, there would have only been affirmed for doing the right thing because that's all they did. That's right. Okay, so they're having a whole bunch of new experiences here. They have first experienced shame, then they have experienced guilt, then they've experienced fear, Mm. and now they've experienced what it is to tell lies, pass the buck, Blame somebody else, misconstrue facts. Mm. It's amazing how you can go from perfection to sin so rapidly. Mm. And in so many aspects as well. Yes. Like in, in such a complete sense. Okay, so what does that tell us about the nature of sin? It is. It seems to be really all-encompassing. It does. It is, isn't it? It once it hits you, that's it. It just soaks the whole of you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And so often we look at ourselves and we look at other people and we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, which the Bible says is not wise. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, you know, that person over there, a really terrible person. Look what they did. They did this and this and this and this and this. And I would never even dream of doing those things. Mm. The reason that you never did those things is circumstantial. Oh, so true. Different circumstances, you have exactly the same sinful nature that they had, but your circumstances have been different. Praise God. Mm. Which means you haven't done those things. Praise God. Which means that you have, you know, and obviously uh, if you have received the, and I'm talking outside of the grace of God. Mm. Okay, Outside of the grace of God, you have many secular non-believing people who have never done terrible things because they have never been in terrible circumstances. That's right. But you put that same person in terrible circumstances, they have the same sinful human nature and they would do those same 
terrible, terrible things. You look at the worst atrocities that were ever committed, you know, in, in, in the wars that have been taking place and are taking place right now, and they are being committed by people just like you and I. Yeah, that's right. We have the who saying. We would never have dreamt of it. We have the saying, right? It's like power corrupts, and, and that's because people get into power and do really bad things. Now, this is power that is exclusive from the grace of God yes. and his leading because God being ultimately an all-powerful but also being the perfect God um, has the ability, like power, power in and of itself isn't wrong, but because we are corrupted, we see time and time again as a result of power and circumstance that we do the wrong thing. It kind of reminds me of the verse in Romans chapter 2 and verse 1 where it says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourselves for you who judge others do these very same things. Wow. Where was that verse again? At Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. Classic. It's a it's a banger, and I had to read it from the NLT, and it's kind of you know oversimplified. It's really powerful uh-huh. um, in when you read it in the other translations, but but essentially getting to the heart of the human problem because of insecurity. Like, as we said, the first thing that happened to Adam and Eve is that they became insecure. And because of insecurity, they're blaming others for their circumstances, saying, oh, well, I wouldn't have done this if this wasn't like this. And if you hadn't have done the wrong thing, God, and da 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 And we look around in our situations, too, and say, oh, I would never end up like that. But then if we did end up like that, it would say, oh, well, it's a result of this. You know, what do you expect of me? But the reality is, is that we're all broken. We're all corrupt. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so coming through here on the text line, it says, text message says, it's fascinating for me that Adam chose to eat the fruit out of love for his wife, Mm. but as soon as he did and realized it had gone bad and was caught, he decided to blame his wife and therefore God shows the core of sin is selfishness. Mm -hmm. So instantly they sinned. They were now infected with a sinful human nature and they were instantly selfish. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like this reflects sin in its state of someone going from perfection yes. to sin yes. without repentance. In- and you would think you would think that that first little sin would have a mild effect. Yeah. And it's that- a small sin. I mean, let's face it, he didn't commit murder or yeah. rape or you know some really really horrific thing it was just he just ate a piece of fruit and you would think that that would have a really small result yeah that's right and you would think like he would realize what he's done wrong and as a result he would repent and take accountability and responsibility and say god i've made a mistake because his character is again so close to perfection but sin sin just swallows him up the both of them it's just all of a sudden they're completely different people Yes, indeed. All right, let's uh, go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. While you're there in the book of Romans, let's read that passage. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Let's see the nature of sin and the effect that it had on humanity. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Wow. Okay, so here's here's an interesting question. Are we guilty for what Adam did? No, right? No, because that's his sin. That's his sin. Mm-hmm. You can't hold me guilty for what you did. I can't yeah. hold you guilty for what I did. Mm-hmm. We're guilty for what we did. So we're not guilty for what Adam did. Mm-hmm. So we don't receive his sin. Mm-hmm. 
There's no such thing as original sin. You won't find that anywhere in the Bible. Yeah. I challenge anyone to find me a verse that defends original sin in the Bible. Mm. It doesn't exist. Yeah, we don't receive his penalty for no, sin. No, no. We don't die because Adam sinned. We die because we did. Yeah, that's right. Okay, but what do we receive from Adam? His nature. His nature. Mm. His sinful nature. And as a result of receiving his sinful nature, what have we all done? Sinned. We've all sinned. Mm -hmm. So we're all in the same boat together. And like Adam, we are all in need of a saviour. And so sin comes in by one man. Everybody receives a sinful nature. Therefore, everyone sins. Jesus comes to reverse that equation, becomes a human being just like you and I, lives a perfect life. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have another quiz for our for our for another another question for our quiz. Another question awesome. for our quiz. Now, this question is actually when we were discussing it, a bit bit contentious this morning because there's there's actually multiple answers that oh. people think are right. So it depends which commentary you read. That's right. It depends which camp you're in. Here we go. How many sheep did Noah take on the ark? A, a question that has divided commentators for millennia. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We're now giving you the opportunity to be your own commentator, to be your own theologian, to weigh in. Now we'll accept both answers as correct. We'll accept two correct answers. Two correct answers, and every other answer will be wrong. That's right. But uh, yeah, just know that there is two answers. How many sheep? Depending on Noah, which commentary you read. That's right. Did Noah take on the ark? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do, you will go into the draw to win Revive Cafe Cookbook Five and Six. If you want to make scrummy cheesy pasta bake, the and Korean tofu tacos. Now, I think there we're seeing some fusion food coming Okay, out. Korean tofu tacos. Tacos. Okay, so I like Mexican food, but I'm thinking you'd go for the Korean. Well, I like both. I, I like both. We have amazing, an amazing Mexican restaurant here in Newcastle. Yes. That is, if, like, if you think GYG is good Mexican food, get help, okay? Go and eat real <laughs> Mexican food. If you think Mad Max is good, go to a real Mexican restaurant. But this is teaching you how to make Korean tacos. But regardless, it would be amazing and awesome. Again, that number is 0491-064-669. That's the number to call or text with the correct answer to get in the drawer. And that question was, how many sheep did Noah take on the ark? All right, if you know the answer, number to call is 0491-064-669. Let us know what your thoughts are on this particular one right here. And if you want advice as to good Mexican restaurants to go to, hit me up. I, I can point them out to you because I know because I like Mexican food. Okay. All right. All right, let's get back into our Bible study. Uh-huh. And there was something else I was going to share, but I can't remember what it was now. But anyway, we'll get back into our Bible study. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 and mm. let's launch ourselves right in. We saw in Romans 5.12, we saw that now sin has spread to all people as a result of their the nature that they have received and their own choice to mm-hmm. sin. Okay, let's look at some of the other results of sin. What did uh, what happened to our world as a result of sin? Let's find out. Mm. All right, uh, Genesis chapter 3, and where did we get up to? 14. Okay, let's read another verse. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. 
He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Interesting that the Bible says that in the new earth, dust will be the serpent's meat. Mm. In other words, it's still going to crawl on its belly even in the new earth. Mm. Interesting passage that sort of makes me stop and wonder, hmm, so the serpent, the snake, will never be restored to what it was beforehand, it seems. Mm. I'd like to know your thoughts on that. Uh, the number to call is 0491064669. Why would the snake, why would the Bible say that dust will be the serpent's meat mm. uh, in heaven? Mm. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Okay, another verse right there. It continues on. It says, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in the pain and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, in that verse, just in case you're wondering where it is, it's found in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 25, where it says, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. That mm. sounds nice. Uh, the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. That sounds nice. Lions are vegan in heaven. There you go. Yes. And dust shall be the serpent's food. Mm-hmm. In other words, still going to crawl around. I read that to say it's, it's still going to be. You know, if, if you eat if you eat dirt, that means you've gone flat on your face. Yeah. It seems to me that that's indicating the serpent will not get its wings back. Mm. Still going to crawl around. Still be a reminder of what happened in the Garden of Eden. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Yeah, give us your thoughts on that one. Okay, but let's go back to the verse that we just read because here we find that the Bible says that the woman is going to experience pain in childbirth. Mm. Okay, but when you think about this for a moment and when you've been married for a few years and you've got children and whatnot, you learn some things that women suffer a whole lot more than what we do physically as a result of reproduction. Mm. Um, As guys, we get to have all the fun and they get pain in that process. Mm -hmm. And the, regardless of whether they have children or not, there is there is pain on a regular basis, mm. and then there is you know going through menopause when you get rid of all that pain, and none of that's fun experience. But Lyle, could you say that it's actually more painful for men during pregnancy? Because you've said before that uh, that you know when a a, a child. Uh, gets hurt, you know. Your, your when your I'm, child. I'm enjoying what you're saying right when, now. When you know I'm enjoying listen, this. Listen, listen, listen. Because I'm just, I'm just enjoying. I'm enjoying watching you dig yourself into a hole. Lyle said, Lyle said it is more painful for your like to receive. It's more painful to see your child receive pain than to receive pain yourself because you love your child and it's so painful. Then. If your wife is in pain giving childbirth, then are you actually experiencing more pain because of how much you sympathize with her? <laughs> According to what Lyle said before. <laughs> that's that's my thought, guys. Tell tell us what you think. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Is it actually it quicksand here? <laughs> <laughs> is it actually more painful for men? According to Lyle's logic, I'm clearly I, I, saying I love that how it you're is. trying to turn this around on me. <laughs> That's when right. you said this, <laughs> no, well, you I'm are the just, one who I'm raised just it. Commenting this is on your issue. That you, a point that you made, Lyle. You've said that multiple times. It's more painful for a All parent right. than right. a child when a child's in pain. Mothers, <laughs> you have my permission 
to set the record straight with Lawson <laughs> and make it clear. And the hole that he has dug himself into, you now have my permission to I'm send not in a, a hole, I'm through. standing on a mountain. And <laughs> fill it with dirt. <laughs> Just fill that one up. All right, let's read another Bible. Okay, but let's stop there for a moment. Pain's never existed before. Yeah, that's right. This has never existed before. Mm-hmm. And it is... Um, Something new. So they've experienced shame, they've experienced guilt, they've experienced fear, they've experienced selfishness. Now they're experiencing pain. Mm-hmm. You're still grinning. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lawson's got. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's just get back into our Bible yeah, study. Right? Let's, I'm, read, I'm, let's read another verse. Let's, let's read another yeah. verse. It says, "And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you." All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and and to dust you will return. It's an interesting passage. Mm. Who gets the heavier sentence? I mean, the woman gets pain that she's going to experience every month. Yeah. And then she's going to experience it in just like off the charts whenever she gives birth. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later on to get rid of that monthly pain, she's got to go through how many years of menopause, which is incredibly discomfortable, discomforting. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a level of subjugation. She's underneath her husband, which I think clearly shows that God's ideal was that male and female would be in perfection. Oh, side by side. Yeah. They're, they're equals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. We see great pain on her side, and also we okay, see so, great so, so, difficulty on the man's so, side as well. Yeah, but who gets the who gets the worst punishment here? What? Why do I have your thoughts on this? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Ah, because I'm. Just I've already running. stirred up trouble. You're already in a hole, so just stay there. <laughs> just dig it deeper. Um, one of the things that's interesting when you look at the role here that is given to the husband as provider is that all of the world's population has only come from half of the men who have ever lived. That's what mm. recent research indicates. And so, yeah, it does kind of cut both ways. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to The Isaacs with When God Seems So Near. It's The Breakfast Show. Let's have answers for our quiz questions. That fill in the blank. The answer was, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. Where did King Saul die? He died not in Gob, not in Goshen or Gath, in Gilboa. What was the announcement of the second angel of Revelation? Its announcement was Babylon is fallen. It was Peter who wrote to his readers that they should honor the king. And finally, how many sheep did Noah take on the ark? Again, we don't know the exact answer to that debate. There are people on both sides, but it's either seven sheep or seven pairs of sheep. So seven sheep or 14 sheep. Seven sheep or seven pairs of sheep. So congratulations to everyone who got those answers correct. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle. Why didn't the apostles leave Jerusalem in Acts chapter 8? Okay, so in Acts chapter 8, if you go to verse 1, the Bible says that Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death. Stephen had been stoned to death. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, 
except the apostles. Mm. So this is kind of weird. The church is based in Jerusalem. It's been based there for three and a half years. It's been facing some opposition, but up until this particular point, they've held back from actually killing someone. And now they've killed someone and it's kind of opened the floodgate. It started, the persecution has begun and Saul or Paul is about to go out and to go hard. He's going to try and chase down every Christian he can, throw them into prison and kill them all. Mm. And so they all scatter abroad everywhere except for the apostles. Now the expectation would be that Saul would start with the apostles. Mm. You know, cut the head off the snake, the snake dies. So start with the apostles, start there, and then go after the members once you have killed the leaders. Why did the apostles stay when everybody else left? Well, the Bible doesn't say. So, But there's a couple of things here that we can draw from this particular passage. One, of course, is that obviously the apostles were not in the same danger or they were required to stay for other reasons as the rest of the disciples. So let me let me just look at a few events that have taken place in the lead-up to this and why it may have been that Paul was like, you know what, I'm not going to go apart after the apostles right now. I will just go after everybody else. And we need to go back to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and the gift of languages was given. Okay, so this is a situation in which you've got a bunch of disciples that are uneducated, you know, very, very little education, but suddenly they are able to speak, the Bible says, 14 different languages. So amongst those disciples, they were speaking and preaching the word of God in 14 different languages. People were hearing the gospel in their own language. People were being converted as a result of hearing the gospel in their own language. And this was not something that anyone could deny. You know, that the Pharisees would call them in, drag them into the court, ask them to explain themselves. And they would just quote prophecies from the Bible like Joel chapter 2 and so forth and say, okay, this is why we, why and how this is happening. And, well, if you are in the side of the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Sanhedrin, what are you going to say about that? You know, you go out and kill these people after you've just killed Jesus, and that's obviously a little bit on the nose with a whole bunch of people because 3,000 people got baptized the day that the Holy Spirit fell. Then you're going to make yourself more and more unpopular and you're going to lose more and more of your power base. And you've got to remember these guys were incredibly worried about their power base. The second big thing that happens is, of course, the healing of the lame man. And so here you've got a man who is 40-plus years old. He has been born lame. He has been a uh, paraplegic his entire life. He has never been able to walk. He has been sitting in the most visible place in Jerusalem, at the gate to the temple. This is the most public location that there is. He's been there for weeks, if not months. Everybody has been able to see him. He's got hundreds of family members, acquaintances, friends, people who have helped him out over the years. He's got a long history of people who can testify to the fact he has never walked. So this is not, there is no possibility for some sleight of hand or, you know, faith healing trick in this particular uh, circumstance. And what's more, it is admitted, publicly admitted by the staunchest enemies of Christianity that this man had been lame for 40 plus years. And then Peter and John come along and through the power of God, 
They heal this man. Okay, so the disciples had done certain things here that nobody could argue against. This was clearly the supernatural. It was clearly good. It was clearly pos. It was clearly positive, and as a result of that, no one could argue against it. But for the average member, well, they didn't have that kind of protection in a way. You've got to remember that Gamaliel had stood up in the council. You've got Nicodemus there. You've got Joseph of Arimathea there. They're defending these guys. Gamaliel saying, saying, look, if, you, if you're not careful here, you'll be found to be fighting against God. Well, maybe you can go after the members so long as you leave the apostles alone and you'll be okay. You'll be able to keep your credibility because nobody knows the members so well. And those apostles, they're a little bit too prominent, a little bit too well-known, a little bit too popular, and we'll lose our power base if we go after them. Them, but maybe if we go after the members, we can. And so the members flee and they take the word of God with them and the apostles stay and the church is founded in Jerusalem. It's very significant that it is founded in Jerusalem because this is where the events happened, where they could be verified by multitudes of eyewitnesses. You can't get away with telling lies and fibs and making stuff up in Jerusalem. You could do it if you were in Spain. People are go, oh, wow, that happened on the other side of the world. And they may or may not believe it. But if you're in Jerusalem, all of the evidence you need is right there. And that's why God said, start in Jerusalem. Don't go to some far-flung part of the planet and start preaching about me. Start right here because here is where the greatest evidence is. All right, so they stay in Jerusalem all the way through to the Jerusalem Council and longer. A couple of text messages coming through here says, I don't believe that the snake will crawl in heaven as sin will be no more in heaven. In the earth, the snake will receive its wings back should the snake suffer for Satan's sin. Interesting point right there. And then another one says, Lawson isn't married. There are times when silence is golden. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll shut up when I get married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right, let's... Uh, let's. Oh, okay, we've got one more text message right here. Mm. Um, that says, I'm not a mother, but Lawson, you're wrong. Your wife is not your child, and even then the pain you feel is emotional, not physical, but childbirth <laughs> is not comparable. So, yeah, a couple of, a couple of interesting ones coming through Hey, I was there. just making a point on what Lyle had said. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what was going on inside Lawson's brain, <laughs> and he tried to make out like it was something in mine. I never went there. <laughs> never. Never have I done that. You're yet. just you're just scared to tell the truth. I, am, uh, I have never gone there. <laughs> I have never made that statement. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By His counsel's guide of Sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.